Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio and our 450th episode special. It's our World War II special. I think you're going to enjoy this. Uh, I do want to, of course, provide contact information, box13 at greatdetectives.net. the email address. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. And follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. Before we get started, I want to encourage you, if you've not already, to try Audible. Audible brings you a fantastic world of audio entertainment and information. If you're on the go and you don't have time to read like you should, Audible is a great service. You get one audiobook per month included with your membership, as well as a 30% discount on all other audiobook purchases. You can get a free audiobook and try the service out at audibletrial.com slash greatdetectives. That's audibletrial.com slash greatdetectives to start your trial and get your free audiobook. Well, I was actually thinking of doing something else for this 450th episode uh, special, but then the old-time radio researchers released their certified set of suspense containing all the available episodes of the show, and most in really much improved audio from what's been uh, circulating. And that's the case particularly with the second episode we'll play. We're going to play two episodes of, of Suspense. Uh, and these episodes are going to center around uh, World War II. Uh, we've heard a couple of episodes of other programs that came during the middle of World War II. Uh, but I've listened more and more to a wide variety of different programs. And World War II changed a lot of writing. It provided some very good, easy villains, some situations of real danger that might arise, as well as some high-stakes gamuts. Suspense, of course, began its incredible 20-year run in 1942 over CBS. And so it had several World War II-based episodes. And I thought these would be particularly interesting to listen to, as we have such a diminishing number of World War II vets out here. Well, up first is one of the earliest suspense episodes, the 18th episode from November 17th of 1942. It was written by John Dixon Carr. And that, I think this is the first time we've run into Carr's uh, work. He was known as... Uh, one of the great authors of the golden age of detective stories that's really been uh, forgotten. His most famous character was Dr. Fell. He also created Colonel March of Scotland Yard. His mysteries at their best were really puzzle-based. And I think you, you'll see that reflected in today's episode. And now, as you're about to be told by the CBS announcer, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Menace in Wax. Suspense. For suspense, tonight we present Menace in Wax by John Dixon Carr.
During the French Revolution of 1793, a Swiss girl copied in wax the severed heads of those who had just been guillotined. She married a Frenchman named Toussaint and came to London, and she founded Madame Toussaint's Waxworks. There it is, still in Marylebone Road, near Baker Street Station. Not the original building. That was destroyed by fire. But it remained untouched when a darker shadow than revolution came to England. They plastered high explosives all along that road and hit the cinema next door. We are going to London under the bomber's moon. Late one night in March of 1941, a young man hurried up to the great glass doors of Madame Toussaint. Hey, open up here. Isn't there a night watchman around this place? There is, Governor, and I'm him. Now, what do you want at this hour of the night? My name is Rogers. I'm from the Daily Record. Oh. If you let me get inside, I'll show you my press card. Didn't you get any orders about me? Well, maybe I have at that. Oh, you're the bloke who wants to see the Chamber of Horrors. That's right. <laughs> All right, you may as well come in. My paper got a tip. There's something funny going on around here. Something funny going on here? That's a good one. The raid's not very heavy tonight, is it? No, they're going over. You ain't heard where, Governor? We got a teletype flash. There was the Midlands. Lord Lummy, and I've got a sister in Birmingham. Oh, why can't she come and stop in a nice, safe place like London? There's the Regent's Park guns opening up again. Makes your teeth rattle and shakes the hats off the dummies' heads. You know, this chamber of ours is getting to be popular tonight. You mean there's been somebody here before me? Yes. A woman? That's right, Governor. About five feet two inches tall, very pretty... If you like him, brunette, and big-eyed, and a phony French accent. No, Governor, no. This was only an old lady that lost her handbag. Oh, thank the Lord for that, anyway. Now then, what is going on around here? Well, I don't know, Governor. You'll have to ask Pearson about that. Who's Pearson? Oh, he's the bloke that's the watchman down there. He's old, and he imagined things. He phoned your piper. Have you got an electric torch? Yes. Then go straight on through the marble hall and down the stairs on your left. And don't speak to the policeman, because he's wax. <laughs> yes, that's the way, Governor. That's the way to the Chamber of Horrors. Thank you. Pearson. Hello, Pearson. Pearson. Yes, sir. Huh? You're looking for me. Oh, uh... I didn't see you there. I must have thought you were one of these wax dummies. Uh, ugly dim light, isn't it? Yes. Uh, Rogers is my name. I'm from the Daily Record. Oh, yes. I'm glad you came over. I phoned your paper myself. Maybe I'm just imagining things, but... Uh... Oh, I don't blame you. This place would make anybody nervous, especially during an air raid. Uh, well, sir, it's all right as long as you don't get to imagine they're watching you. Oh, and do you? Oh, yes. Sometimes. That's the gambling group in the center there. Uh-huh. What's that thing over there? That's the famous guillotine. Oh, wait a minute, old boy. 
You're not trying to tell me that's the original guillotine? No, uh, that was burnt in the fire. Madame Toussaint bought it from Sanson, the executioner. Let me tell you something, Mr. Rogers. What? Years ago... This is straight. A young French woman came in here. There was nobody else in the place. She thought to be great fun to say she'd put her neck in the same guillotine as Marie Antoinette. So she climbed up on that platform. She snapped the little wooden collar down round her neck, shutting herself in. All of a sudden, she realized she didn't know which spring controlled the collar and which spring controlled the knife. Oh, good Lord, she didn't... No. But they say she went crazy. They say she screamed and screamed. What's that? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to scare you, but... Sweet mama, I'm so scared myself, I cannot help it. Susie. Oh, no, 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 not Susie. Susie, you make it so it rhymes with floozy. That is not nice. Why, you little devil. I ought to turn you across my knee. What are you doing here? And will you forget that French accent? You're driving me crazy. Uh, you know this young lady, sir? Do I? She works for my paper. She's haunting me. Oh, Bert, that's not nice. I like the way I talk. I only try to give you ideas. That's just what I mean. Now, take your arms from around my neck. Uh, she's French, sir. Her mother came from New York, like I did. She's got some funny ideas, accents, and disguises. So, I dress up as an old lady, and I come along, too. That is clever, no? Definitely no. But I go into what I think is the lady's room, and there is Jack the Ripper. I'm so scared, I almost kick the ghost. Whatever else you do, miss, for the love of heaven, put out that cigarette. It is not permitted? It is what they are most afraid of in this place. Fire. If you vouch for this young lady, Mr. Rogers... I don't vouch for anybody. But go on now. What's all the mystery here at Madame Tussauds? You see the group over there? It's called the Gamblers. That three men and a woman in 18th century costume sitting around a table playing cards? Yes. And about once a week, when the lights are out... Yes? Those dummies do play cards... Is this a publicity trick of some kind? Oh, no, sir. Then what's the game? I'm not crazy. I know they don't actually do it, sir. What I want to know is who changes the cards round in their hands and why? Well, could anybody, anybody from the outside, I mean, get in to change the cards? Oh, yes. There's a back door. But why would anyone want to break in here just to change those cards around? Mon cher Ben, écoutez, listen. I have made a discovery. Listen, if you're going to talk, speak English. Or better yet, just keep still. But I have made a discovery. This card game. What about it? It is crooked. Here is a man which has two deuces of hearts in the same hand. Listen, Susie, I don't give a... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's have a look at those cards. I give you ideas, yes? Susie, for once you're right. And look here. Two of these players have all the clubs and hearts. The other two have all the diamonds and spades. Susie, how many letters in the alphabet? Twenty-six, no? And twice twenty-six is... Fifty-two. The number of cards in a pack. Give me a pencil, Susie, quick. The War Office, Whitehall. MI5, Headquarters of Military Intelligence. 
There next morning in the map room, used as an office by Colonel Warrender. Mr. Rogers, I am a busy man. I appreciate that, Colonel Warrender. Anyhow, sit down. Thank you, sir. Now, what's all this? These cards you claim form a code, is that it? Yes, sir. Now, look, sir. Let each letter of the alphabet represent a card in clubs and hearts. That's 26. And then? And then when you get to the middle of the message, switch the alphabet over to diamonds and spades. Then you won't keep on repeating. Now, will you read what I've got written on this piece of paper? Jack of diamonds, Q. Three of clubs, F. That doesn't seem to mean much. Oh, never mind the cards, Colonel. Just read the letters. Q-F-A-C-T-O-R-Y. Yes, sir. Q-Factory. Go on. Uh, oh, just a moment. What is that infernal noise? Johnson Burroughs! Uh, don't bother oh. with that, sir. Just read the message, please. Oh. Q-Factory. 10 p.m., 15th. Today's the 15th of March, Colonel. Oh, all preparations made. Use dive bombers. See... Uh, this message was left openly. So openly that nobody ever noticed it. Yes, the trick's been tried before. No contacts, no gatherings, no letters that might be intercepted. A whole spy ring could walk through that wax museum and read the message without being seen. You newspaper men trying to teach me my job? Oh, I'm sorry, sir, I only... No, no, go on. Well, don't you see? Three or four little boats with portable wireless sets go down the Thames estuary. When they're beyond pursuit, they send that message by radio. Somebody listens. And it's no secret in Fleet Street, sir, that... Q Factory is out in the wilds of Glebeshire. There's no secret anywhere. And that we're making the Shaftesbury bomber out there. So tonight, unless we do something about it, they're coming over and bomb Q Factory to blazes. Oh, that's impossible. Why? Or can't you tell me? I can tell you this much. Yes, sir. Q Factory is so well hidden that even our own pilots can't find it from the air. That's one objection to this message. Any other objection? Yes, this talk about dive bombers. Dive bombers in a night attack... What's the good of a dive bomber if he can't see its objective? Well, suppose somebody showed a light. He'd be shot dead as soon as he showed it. Every inch of country for a quarter of a mile round the factory. A quarter of a mile, Mr. Rogers, is patrolled day and night. Well, just the same. They're going to have a try at it, sir. How? I don't know how. Then if you'll excuse me, Mr. Rogers... Well, listen, I... Colonel Warner. Will you give me a pass to go down there to the factory? Certainly not. No one's permitted to go there except the workers. How is the place defended? There's a night fighter station nearby, and several batteries of four 3.7 guns. Then give me a pass to the fighter station or to the gun post. That's a legitimate newspaper request. Well, I, I might manage a pass to one of the gun posts here. Then you'll do it. Well, what on earth is that infernal row? Sounds like somebody locked up in a coat cupboard. Yes, as a matter of fact, Colonel, it is somebody locked up in a coat cupboard. A young lady, so-called. A young lady? Who locked her up? I did. And just what the devil do you mean, sir, locking up people in coat cupboards in the war office? Well, she's a bit excitable, Colonel. I thought that uh, she'd better not see you. Oh, thanks for the consideration. Uh, there's just one other favor I'd like to ask. As well? If she asks you for a pass, don't give it to her. Don't give it to her under any circumstances. Well, what's her name? Susie Dubois. <laughs> You're rather too late for that, young man. The public relations office granted her a pass two hours ago. What? Oh... A woman to an anti-aircraft battery? Uh, this is what we call a mixed battery. Women on the guns as well as men. She said it would make a good human interest story for the press. I, mm. I must say, I agree with her. Uh, well, one moment, Mr. Rogers, before you go. Yes, sir. That gun post is fully two miles from the factory. You can go there, but if you take one step further, you'll be shot on sight by our guards. I warn you. I'll be careful, Colonel. I'll be careful. 
Somewhere in the West Country, a yellow moon shines over bare trees. A white mist moving clings to the ground. Susie, are you sure we're on the right road? They have taken away all the signposts in case there is an invasion. I know that. But I follow the map. The map cannot be wrong. We've been driving for hours. Must be... Yes, it is. Nearly half past nine. Half an hour to go. Trees, trees, and still more trees. Look. There's a break in the trees ahead. It will be open country in a minute. Yeah. That's funny. Look how deep the leaves are here on the road. But one thing I tell you, just between you and me and the bedpost... Gatepost, Susie. The term is between you and me and the gatepost. And speak English. I am speaking English very well, thank you. I do not need your help to be pure. All right, all right. Now, this map. Well, what about it? It say we should go through a lot of villages. Mitford, Archidine, and Saffron Weville. I have not seen any villages. Did you say Mitford? Oui, monsieur. Susie, let me have a look at that map. Come on, come on, hand it over. But what is wrong? It is a perfectly good map. Yes, Susie. It's a fine map. It's an excellent map. Only it's a map of the wrong county. I have made a mistake? No? I don't even believe you can read. This is a map of Barsetshire. We should be somewhere in Glebeshire. Now, where in the devil are we? We're at the entrance to some kind of clearing with leaves. Oh. What was that? Somebody calling us. And if we're in forbidden area... I see him now. Where? Behind us. He came out of a white cottage back there. He's a big, heavy man. With a mustache. Never mind the mustache. He's wearing some kind of a uniform and he's got a rifle. You think he plugged us? No? I think it is not unlikely. Get out those war office passes of ours. Quick. Good evening, my friends. Uh, good evening. Can you tell me... No, we don't mean any harm. Uh, 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 Can you tell me... What time it is? Oh, <laughs> what time it is? Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, uh, 28 and a half minutes past nine. Thank you. I will keep you covered while I set my watch. There. My next question is, would you like me to shoot you both? No. Listen, Mr., uh, Mr. McAllister. Captain. Captain McAllister. That's that right? right. Well, Captain, uh, this girl, uh, she's been reading the wrong map. You see, we don't even know where we are. You're in Hollywood Forest, my friend. Hollywood Forest? Is that good or bad? And you don't know what's just beyond the edge of this clearing? No. There's a big open space of a quarter of a mile. In the middle of that open space... Q Factory. We're right on top of it. Then you have heard of Q Factory, my friend. Captain McAllister, we're from the war office, and we've got passes to prove it. Let's see the passes. We were trying to find gun sight number... Uh, I've forgotten the number, but it's here on that card. You've passed the gun sight. Two miles back up the road. All right. Here are your passes. What are you going to do to us? Uh, I'm not in the regular army. You can thank your stars I'm not. I'm forestry preservation. Oh. You are not going to... Chuck us in the cooler, even? <laughs> no. Now turn that car on, get back along this road as fast as you can. 
If they fire at you, as they probably will... Oh, I wish I am home. Pray no, Mao, I wish I am home. Well, then hope for the best. My watch had stopped and you did me a good turn. Well, hurry along. Hurry. Sight of heavy ACAC battery. Four 3.7 guns against a moon growing clear white. White as the concrete emplacements. Sealed against light where the crews, men and women, sitting, waiting, waiting, waiting. Well, sir, uh, glad to have you both here. But this idea of yours about dive bombers attacking a blacked out factory in the middle of a forest is uh, rather fantastic, don't you think? Well, I admit it doesn't make much sense, Captain Bronson, but I have a hunch that I'm right. Well, glad you and Miss Susie drove out. Don't see many strangers. Frightfully boring. Nice country, of course. Good air and everything, but dull. Dull as ditch water. What's that? Only some of the lads and lasses inside. Like to uh, walk along the emplacement here? Oh, is that allowed? Oh, certainly, old boy. Why not? Bright moon tonight, isn't it? Yes, farmer's moon. We, uh... We nearly get shot on our way here. Quiet, Susie. You're not supposed to have been there. If I nearly get shot, I am going to say I nearly get shot. It was a man which is called, uh, uh, McAllister. Oh, old Mac. Uh, very decent sort, Mac. He's a, a tree doctor. A what? Tree doctor. Got to have wood, you know. But trees start to die. Mac goes round the edge of the clearing and smears him with stuff to keep him well. Uh, how did you come to meet him? Well, the fact is, uh... We nearly got as far as the factory tonight. Oh, then you were lucky to get back alive. There weren't any barrage balloons over the factory, I noticed. Uh, hardly, old boy. They wouldn't advertise, would they? With balloons in open country? And if the Germans did use dive bombers? Oh, they're not coming, old boy. Just make up your mind to that. I wonder if you'll say so at ten o'clock. But it is ten o'clock. It's, uh... Well, it's just ten now. Well, it can't be. We drove here like blazes. It was only half past nine then. Well, then your watch must be very slow, old boy. No, I'm afraid you're wrong. I've never seen it quieter. Cold tonight. Very dry for March. Look all around you. Moonlight. Open country. Not a sign of life in it. Quiet. Peaceful. And silent as the great... What was that? Why, George, I think we've got some visitors. I think we're going to see some fun. Enemy planes approaching south-southwest. Action stations. Enemy planes approaching south-southwest. Now do you believe me? Better stand back, old boy. Operation crew's coming on. I said, now do you believe me? I want you to watch these girls work. They do everything, you know, except actually fire the guns. Now, 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 keep your hair on, old boy. Susie, he still can't see it. Oh, they'll only be going over. You think so? Oh, yes. We sometimes get a crack at them when they're making for Bristol. Standing by for action! Standing by! Listen. I have heard that noise a thousand times. But every time I hear it, I get sick. Hmm. Well, they're flying ruddy low, you know. Just what I was thinking. Spotter! Spotter! Any identification? Junker, 88. Dive bombers. Height, 5,200. Now look here, 
you two newspaper people. Yes, sir. There might be things popping, you know, can't tell. I'd like to get below. No, no, thanks. I don't like this, Bert, but I'll stay too. Range finder. Range finder. On target. Look here, you two. Those war office passes you gave me, uh, I'm not supposed to keep them. Oh, I'd better give them back, just in case. Predictor. Predictor. On target. Here we go, ladies and gents. Fire. Message, sir. Fire. Yes, Corporal. No, fire. Night fighters taking off. Hold fire. Night fighters taking off. Hold fire. Message understood. What is the matter with them? With who? Those harsh planes. They're still a good way off, but they don't come any closer. Hmm. Must be going over after all. They're circling. I think they're waiting for a signal. Anyhow, here are your war office passes. You. Well, you seem to have got them all smeared with oil. Oil? That is all right, mon cher. When we get them back from Captain McAllister, they have oil on them. I think maybe he dropped them on the leaves, because there's oil on the tires of the car, too. Then I think how always in this we meet things that burn. At Madame Tussauds last night, they would not let me smoke a cigarette in case of fire. Fire? That's it, fire. What's the matter with you, old boy? Why did that fella, way out at the end of nowhere, want to know what time it was? Are you scatty? McAllister, you told me so yourself. He goes around the edges of the clearing and smears the trees with stuff to keep them well. Well, what about it? Suppose it was crude oil. Suppose between each tree he laid an invisible fuse of dead leaves soaked in oil. I, uh, I don't understand. In 30 seconds, a complete square of fire runs around the limits of the factory grounds. That draws the bombers in. Then as the flames blaze higher, they've got enough light to dive on their target. There. Our night fighters are letting loose. Bronson, I see it all now. Come on. We've got to get to that tree, Dr. McAllister. It's a matter of minutes. Susie, is Bronson following in the car behind us? Yes. He's following and men with rifles. Got to get to McAllister's cottage. This McAllister. I bet you ten to one. The real McAllister is either dead or tied up in that cottage. The fellow we saw was an imposter. Look out, Susie. Keep your head down. Oh, those fighters. They will chew up every younger in the place. They have not got the chance of a snowshoe in heaven. No, Susie, not a snowshoe in heaven. You mean a... I know you are English at a time like this, but I cannot understand. Look out! see why he hasn't set his signal off. What is delaying him? Why don't he strike a match when the bombers come over? Because he's a good Nazi. A good Nazi? My watch was slow, don't you remember? And I gave him the wrong time. He had orders to strike his match at 10 o'clock, and he'll not do it until 10 o'clock if there are 500 planes instead of 20. Bert, I see him. Where? Far up the road. He's running. Yeah. Yeah, that's him. Think we can reach him before he gets to the clearing? Not a chance of a snowshoe in heaven. Signal Brunson to pass us. A long shot with a Bert, rifle might... Bert, one of the Yonkers is hit. Huh? He's right over us. That's not all. He's unloading his bombs. The whole stick's coming straight down our direction. Keep your head down. I want to see you. Put your arm, baby. Huh? 
Everything all right? I, I don't feel her. This is a dirt road. The bomb sank too deeply before it exploded. We didn't catch the blast. Come on, Susie. McAllister was just ahead of us. Come on, let's get out. We can't drive any farther. This road is full of bomb craters. Wait a minute, Susie. There's McAllister. He... He is dead. Yes, Susie. Killed by a Nazi bomb. Look, on the ground. What are those two white cars? Oh. Hmm. They're all smeared with oil. They must have fallen out of McAllister's pocket just before he got hit. Let's see. Huh. What do you know? What are the cards, Bert? Two tickets for Madame Tussaud's waxworks. I'm afraid our friend's never going to get to use them. Uh-huh. Not the chance of a snowshoe in heaven. So ends Menace in Wax. Tonight's story of Suspense. Columbia presents these stories of mystery and intrigue and dangerous adventure for your relaxation and enjoyment. Next Tuesday, there'll be another in this series. Same hour, 9.30 Eastern Wartime. William Spear, the producer. John Dietz, the director. Bernard Herman, the composer-conductor. John Dixon Carr, the author. Our collaborators on... Suspense. Here is a message of vital importance to every person who drives an automobile in America. There is wide misunderstanding about gasoline and rubber, and the government wants the following facts brought to everyone's attention. Actually, there is no scarcity of gasoline except in some parts of the East. But nowhere in the country is there enough rubber for military and civilian use. Starting two weeks from today, December 1st, mileage rationing goes into effect. This means that no car owner anywhere in the United States will be able to buy gasoline without a mileage rationing book. The purpose is to conserve the rubber we have by eliminating all unnecessary driving. When we think of the tremendous distances our mechanized army is traveling in North Africa and the long road to victory that still lies ahead, this extra effort on our part is slight indeed. Remember, everybody is going to have mileage rationing, so why not be prepared? The best way each of us can save rubber is by sharing our car with others. Let one car do the work for two or three. So why not arrange with the neighbors tonight and start sharing the car tomorrow? It's the one real, important contribution that every automobile driver can make. Don't be a lone rider. Share your car and do your share for victory. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Well, I have to say, I found that 
the cipher with the cards to be uh, pretty clever. And probably a real uh, fantastic highlight of this episode. Listeners will form their own opinions of the female sidekick in this particular episode. But I guess uh, quite an eccentric uh, nevertheless. The one part that I found a little bit unbelievable was how the our hero explains in detail. Okay, this is how the cipher worked. And MI5 is like, nah. But seriously, a very good episode. And of course, this episode also works to introduce folks to gas rationing in the public service announcement, which ironically enough had nothing to do with gasoline shortages. And of course, eventually there would be those uh, posters, he who rides alone rides with Hitler. Now we're going to turn to another story, almost two years later. This one is a very special episode of Suspense. It stars Miss Lena Horne, uh, the great singer and actress. Um, during World War II, soldiers stationed overseas had their favorite uh, actresses and glamour girls. Among African-American soldiers, Lena Horne was it. So this would definitely have been popular with uh, troops overseas. This is one of the episodes where we really have got to owe a debt of thanks to the old-time radio uh, researchers group. Uh, earlier versions of this episode, the musical parts were kind of garbled with uh, low quality in those sections of the audio. But this one comes from the OTRR, and they really did clean it up nicely. So from November 9th of 1944, with Lena Horn and our old pal Wally Mayer, here now is You Were Wonderful on the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. Now, Roma Wines present... Suspense! Tonight, You Were Wonderful, starring Lena Horne. Suspense is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness in entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now a glass full would be very pleasant as Roma Wines bring you Suspense. This is the Man in Black, here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California. Tonight, Roma Wines bring you as star the remarkable American singing actress, Miss Lena Horne, who has recently returned to Hollywood following a triumphal Eastern tour to resume her picture career at the studios of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer in whose Technicolor production, Ziegfeld Follies, she will soon be seen. Tonight, she appears as a noted entertainer called Lorna Dean, who found herself embroiled with dangerous intrigue and murder in a South American capital. And so with You Were Wonderful, and with the performance of Lena Horne, we again hope to keep you in suspense. Ah, sure. Yeah, check the sombrero. 
Good evening, Mr. Winnington. You wish a table? No, thanks. No, I'm just browsing. Is uh, Ronaldo... Oh, oh, there he is now. Oh. Hello, Johnny. Hello. Hi, Ronaldo. Well, um, sit down. Have a little supper with me, huh? No, no, thanks. I, I'm not hungry. Well, come on, come on. Sit down anyway. All right. Anything to please you, sweetheart. <laughs> Tell me, how's business? Oh, fine. Great. Every time I get a bad break nowadays, Johnny, I get two good ones right after. <laughs> Say, when did you ever get a bad break? Well, you know Jackie, my little singer. Yeah, sure I know. Yeah, of course you do. Well, Jackie is quitting. Oh, that's too bad. And who do you suppose I'm getting? Just by the merest accident, who do you suppose I'm getting to take her place, huh? All right, I'll bite. Lorna Dean. Lorna Dean? Oh, you're kidding. No. <laughs> what do you think of that, huh? <laughs> Very good, huh? Well, if you'll excuse the aspersions, Ronaldo, I think, what does a dame with an international reputation like Lorna Dean want to be singing in a third-rate cabaret like this for? Oh, no, no. Second-rate, maybe, but third-rate, no, no. All right, all right, second-rate. <laughs> but you can't pay her a tenth of what she's used to getting. And what she's, what is she doing down here in Buenos Aires anyway? Oh, now, what you want to ask a lot of questions for? She's going to sing. That's, that's good enough for me. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is. She's terrific, all right. Tell me, when does she start? Uh, two weeks from tonight. Why, uh, why did Jackie quit? It's kind of sudden, wasn't it? Oh, I don't know. She's, uh, nervous lately. She, uh, she wants to go back to the States, I guess. Oh. Say, uh, Johnny. Yeah? Uh, when are you going back? To the States? Uh-huh. Oh, six months, a year, two years, whenever this war is over. Don't you think you better, uh, better go home maybe a little sooner, huh? Look, I don't want any lectures on my patriotism, if that's what you mean. Well, who's giving lectures? Down here we are, uh, <coughs> Well, we are neutral. Yeah? Well, all right, that's what I am. The U.S. is okay, it's fine. It just happens that it never did so much for me that I feel like getting knocked off for it, that's all. Oh, sure, I don't want you to get knocked off. That's what I'm talking about. What are you talking about? Your health, Johnny. Do I take that two ways or only one? One. Listen, Johnny, listen. I see these things before. Sometimes fellows stay around these places so long they forget all about home. And then one day, finish. I pay my bills, don't I, eventually? Oh, Johnny, don't talk that way. It's only because I like you, you know that. All right, all right, cut it, cut it. Okay, okay. Ah, here comes Jackie now. <laughs> Alma de la Africa lejana Yeah, mi pecho, mi... Oh, it's you, Miss Dean. Couldn't you even wait until they looked the poor kid over before coming Did here? Did I ask you anything? Look, Mr. Ronaldo, I'm sorry for the girl, but I'm a singer, not a sob sister. I was going to start in two weeks anyway. I might as well start now. Well, all right then, until Jackie can come back to finish out. Oh, yeah? It'll be about the longest run on record then. Uh, what do you mean? This young lady is right, Senor Ronaldo. This girl is dead. Dead? Do you still want the job, Miss Dean? Yeah. I still want the job. To 
Tonight, for suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you a star, Miss Lena Horne, whom you've heard in the prologue to You Were Wonderful by Robert L. Richards. Tonight's tale of suspense. Roma wines made in California are of such uniformly superb quality that they are imported to many foreign countries as the choice of true connoisseurs of fine wines. Millions of Americans also enjoy the excellence of Roma wines daily with meals and when entertaining. In fact, more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wines. They know that Roma wines are truly inexpensive for wines of such distinguished character. They know Roma wines are of unvarying superb taste and quality, the result of age-old winemaking skill combined with modern knowledge. All this for only pennies a glass. So for maximum mealtime enjoyment or when entertaining, serve Roma wines. A cool glass of appetizing Roma California sherry before dinner. A cool bottle of rich Roma California burgundy on the table with the meal. You'll appreciate the enthusiastic comments of the family and guests. You'll be pleasantly surprised at how much added zest Roma wine brings to your table. Tomorrow, ask your dealer for R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. If he is temporarily out of Roma, please try again soon. Remember, more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wine. And now we return to the scene of our drama. Rinaldo's on the waterfront of Buenos Aires, where a famous American entertainer, Lorna Dean, takes the spotlight from a dead girl to begin the strangest singing engagement of her career. A situation well calculated to keep you in... Suspense! Embrace 
was I, Johnny? You ask me that question every night. Don't I always give you the same answer? Ah, uh, maybe I just like to hear it. All right, all right. You were wonderful, okay? Okay. We artists, you know, got to hear that thunderous ovation. Hello there, Johnny. Oh, uh, friends of yours? Well, uh, business acquaintances, uh, you know them? Well, that tall one's been giving me the glassy eye all through that monocle the last three nights. They're coming over. Maybe you want to talk to them. Well, Johnny. Oh, please don't go, Miss Dean. Oh, that's all right. I've got to argue with Ronaldo about a baby pink spot. You know, we artists. See you later, Johnny. Okay. Sit down, Mr. Harmon. Hi, Stingle. Good evening. Terribly attractive girl. What? My favorite singer, too. Oh, oh, by the way, before I forget, Johnny, here's your remittance for the week. Oh, okay, thanks. And in that connection, old boy, I'm afraid I must tell you that uh, we're not too satisfied with your work. Well, maybe I'm not too satisfied with the job. Oh, if you're not, it doesn't require such enormous intellectual powers that we couldn't find someone else to do it, you know. Oh, keep your pants on. I didn't say I was quitting, did I? Now, look here, old boy. All we ask you to do is report their names when they enter the harbor and their sailing time when they leave. Now, that's easy enough, isn't it? Yes, sure, sure. (laughs) Only to find out those things, a guy has to ask questions. And when you ask questions, people ask questions back. Don't forget that. You have been reading too many spy stories, Johnny. After all, even if there's a war, some of us are still in business. And when you're in business, sometimes it helps to know when your competitors are shipping their goods. (laughs) Yeah, okay, okay. Only a guy likes to know what he's working for, that's all. Uh, about uh, Miss Lorna Dean. I didn't know you were a particular friend of hers, Johnny. Oh, not particular, just friends. She took Jackie's place, huh? Hmm. Yeah. And there's uh, a couple of questions that nobody has ever answered about that, either. I suppose there are. Too bad. Yeah. You know, I'd rather like to have a talk with Miss Dean. What about? Oh, uh, Singing. I didn't know you were such a particular lover of music. Oh, rather. Quite go for American folk songs. Primitive, you know. Stir the blood. What? Yeah. Well, here she comes back, and if you want my advice... I didn't ask for your advice, old boy. Now, you just run along for ten minutes. What for? I want to have a little private talk with Miss Dean. And you don't know enough about music. Okay. Hey, Johnny, guess what Ronaldo's... Hey, Johnny! I'll be back. When I'm wanted. Oh, please, Miss Dean, do sit down. Well, what was all that about? Let him go. All the better for me, you know. Now I can talk to you. Lance, perhaps you better not. Oh, nonsense. It's quite all right. Well, Miss Dean, it's nice to see you again. I'm still wondering why America's favorite thrush is singing here. Oh, I sort of like the place. I wanted to help Ronaldo out of a jam. Jolly good. I must confess I have a weakness for the place myself. Oh, have you? And how do you think uh, Buenos Aires stacks up with uh, Rio and all the other gay capitals of South America, eh? I like it. My tour didn't take me here, but I just couldn't leave without seeing it. Yeah? You know, I've always been a great admirer of yours, Miss Dean. I've heard you sing, oh, I don't know how many times. Oh? Have you been in the States often? Oh, no, no, no. England. Short wave, you know. Your voice carries very well over the wireless. Oh, uh, you're English? Uh, Austrian. I lived in England most of my life, though. Now, down here on business, war, you know. Oh, terrible thing, this war. Yes. But I'm afraid it's been awfully disillusioning to a lot of people. Take uh, your uh, people in America, for instance. Uh, uh, not much for them to fight for, is there? Well, a lot of them are fighting just the same. Mm, I dare say. Anything better than what they have at home, eh? Strange war, though. Uh, the Japanese, now. I understand that they have certain very progressive policies towards the uh, uh, colored races. 
Except all the Chinese, I suppose. Yes, well, the Chinese, backward people, you know, always have been communists and so on. Confusing, just the same, isn't it? All this uh, race business. I suppose it is to some people. Now they're the Nazis. <laughs> Cute devils. All this talk about a master race. <laughs> they don't mean a word of it, you know. <laughs> can't we talk about something else? Oh, yes, 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 of course, my dear. Now, now let's talk about your music. You know, I'm really quite a fan of American music. A bit unbalanced on the subject, actually, I suppose. Oh, really? Yes. So much so that I think I might have a little financial proposition that would uh, interest hey, you. Hey, hey, you. Uh, are you speaking to me? Yes, go on, get out of here. You know what you're saying. What possible reason can I you I don't have... know anything. I don't have any reason. I just can't afford to get into trouble myself. Maybe I just don't like your face. Now, go on, go on, get out, get now, out. Now, see here, Get Ronaldo. out and don't come back. Oh, very well. Come along, Stengel. Good night, Miss Bean. Good night. Ronaldo, you're making rather a bad mistake, my lad. Ah, that's what you think. That's what I know. Good night. Well, giving my pals the bum's rush, eh, Ronaldo? <laughs> Johnny, why do you want to hang around with guys like that? I don't hang around with them. I just do business for them. Sure, fine business. What do you know about it? I don't know anything yet, for sure. I, I just smell a couple of rats. Now, now, you go on, go home, too, Johnny. We're closing up. Go on. Okay, Ronaldo. Say, Johnny, you left in a sort of hurry, didn't you? Well, maybe I had orders to leave in a hurry. Well, I kind of thought that might be it. Oh, I guess it didn't matter much. You seem to know uh, the boys pretty well. Oh, I meet a lot of people in this business. Oh, sure, sure. What'd they want? How did you know they wanted something? Because they generally do. What was it? Oh, they just wanted to make me a sort of proposition. What kind of a proposition? Well, I don't know, but... But, uh, what? I think it had something to do with singing. Uh-huh. You gonna take it? If there's money in it. Don't you care if money you earn has blood on it? No. Do you? Cause he's done something to me And my heart won't keep still Give me one dozen roses Put my heart in beside them And send them to the one I love Bravo, bravo, splendid It couldn't have done better myself <laughs> Is that the way you like it? Oh, yes, it is, rather you ought to feel flattered, you know. This is the first time I've given an audition since I got my start in show business. Oh, I do hope you didn't mind. But I just couldn't resist asking you to sing it through. Now that we've concluded our little uh, uh, business arrangement. And that's all there is to it, huh? I just sing it. That's all there is to it. Well, you're paying for it. I, I just wish it was a song I did better. Oh, cut out the false modesty. I'll bet you were wonderful. Oh, hello, Johnny. Hi, Stingle. You're up early, aren't you, old boy? Till daylight. <laughs> I haven't been to bed. I was sitting up with a sick friend. Oh, no, 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 no. No, not that old chestnut. Only this time it's not. I was with uh, Ronaldo, I suppose you heard. Oh, yes. Too bad. What's the matter with Ronaldo? Oh, nothing now. He's dead. Dead? Yeah. Sudden, wasn't it? Anyone know yet what uh, happened? Death by natural causes, Stingle. And his wife, you know, is uh, scared of the police. And superstitious besides, didn't want an autopsy. And, well, anyway, that's how it stands. Yes, of course, poor woman. That I was in a position to do a little something for her. Oh, were you? Yes, I rang up her lawyer as soon as I heard. Seems she doesn't feel like trying to run the club all alone, so 
I bought it. Well, that was nice. Yeah, so you see, you're working for me now, Miss Dean. It won't make any difference, of course. I see. Well, I must be running along now. Uh, see yeah. you this evening. Goodbye. Yes. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. So you're working for him now? Uh, we're working for him, huh, Johnny? Is uh, that how come the command performance you were giving when I came in? No. I didn't know anything about anything then. He just said he wanted me to sing that as a request number once in a while. That's all. How bad does he want you to sing it? Bad enough. And you don't sing it until he tells you to. Is that the deal? How do you know so much about it? Because I'm not dumb. Well, are you going to do it? Why not? You'll pay my expenses. A lot more expenses than poor old Ronaldo could pay, huh? Well, turning it down won't bring him back to life now, will it? You're really a cold-hearted little dame, aren't you? Listen, Johnny. I'm an entertainer because I like it. And because it's the only way I can make enough money to live halfway like a human being. With money, I can do what I want to, more or less. I can live where I want to, go where I want to be, like other people, more or less. Do you know what even that much freedom means to somebody like me, Johnny? All right. But you don't need money so bad you have to make it this way. What way? You know what I mean. Do I? All I know is they want me to sing a song. Yeah, but why? I don't ask questions like that. But if you know so much about it, why don't you tell me? Maybe, maybe I can't. Because you're afraid of sticking your neck out, huh? But you ask me to trust you. Oh, Lorna, don't you see? All I see is you want me out of the picture. Well, I'm not leaving. You're working for them. So am I. You've got your reasons. So have I. You won't talk. Neither will I. Let's leave it like that, huh? Okay. But from now on, you're on your own. Ha, that's funny. I've always been on my own. And it isn't just the money... Maybe it's something you wouldn't understand. But I know what I'm after, and I'm going to get it. You said it there, sister. You're going to get it. Who is it? It's me. Ah, come on in. Hi, Lorna. You practicing? Oh, not specially. Oh, I thought maybe you had your orders. What orders? Oh, to sing that song tonight. Yes. How did you know? Oh, a little birdie told me. Look, look, I got your present. What is it? A little portable radio. It's a good one, too. Made in the States. You know I don't speak enough Spanish, so that thing will do me any good down uh-huh, here. Ah, but don't forget the short wave. Short waves, wireless, what? Okay, Johnny, what's the gag? Oh, just something I want you to hear. You probably won't be able to understand it, but fortunately in me, you have an accomplished linguist. Anyway, I can tell you not. Well, quite a little gadget, the wireless, huh? That wasn't Spanish. Right. And I'll give you three nice big guesses what it was. Johnny, wouldn't it be easier if you just up and told me what you came here to tell me? Don't play innocent with me. Don't try to tell me you don't know what this is all about. Oh, maybe I just want to know how much you know. I know. You said I was afraid to stick my neck out. Well, all right, listen to this. That guy you just heard talking is the captain of a German submarine about 15 miles outside the harbor. How do you know? Because I saw it. And there's a convoy that leaves this harbor regularly to take stuff from South America to our guys in England. And they're leaving tonight. And all that sub-captain out there is waiting for to plow into that convoy and sink every ship in it is the tip-off. And the tip-off is you. Me? Oh, stop it, will you? What do you think Harmon wanted you to sing a particular song at a particular time for and a song that's at least two years out of date at that if it wasn't to tip-off somebody? 
You know your stuff is broadcast. Come on, use your head. Listen, Johnny, if you know all this, why didn't you tell me sooner? That's my business. Maybe I wasn't sure until now. Business. Yeah, business is just about the right word for it, isn't it? Okay. I didn't expect any thanks for it. But they're just using you for a fall guy, that's all. Oh, listen, Lorna, listen. You've got your life ahead of you, a great career back home. Popularity, everything in the world to lose. And the stuff in those ships is going to save the lives of Americans. <laughs> Coming from you, Johnny, that's real cute. All right. All right, so I don't have a country anymore, but you do. Johnny, listen. You remind me of a preacher I used to know back home. He figured he was such a good preacher because he knew so much about sin. He said he'd sin more than anybody else in the whole congregation. Go ahead. Laugh. Laugh, but I'm telling you for your own good. Get out of town. I can't, Johnny. I've got a date to sing tonight, remember? Who is it? It's Harmon. We're about ready for you, Miss Dean. Oh, time for me to go on, huh? Okay, I'll be right there. Right you are. Okay, that's it. But I hope you know what kind of a spot you're in, because if you sing that song, as far as the public in the States is concerned, you'll be washed up for good. Who's going to say anything, Johnny? Oh. It's a sure thing you won't. Well, it'll get back somehow. And you know what happens if you don't sing it. What? Remember what happened to Jackie? What did happen, Johnny? She tried a double cross. And the same night she was dead. Now laugh that off. I haven't forgotten. By the way, Johnny, suppose I tell you that I knew all about that submarine out there. What? Now you laugh that off. You better get out there and listen with your friends. Your table's ready. Oh, there, Johnny. Over here. There you are, old boy. Here. Here's the best table in the house. Well, you're feeling great, aren't you? Business must be pretty good. Good, old boy. Tonight it's perfect. Thank you. Thank you very much. Tonight, I want to sing a song. I want to sing something that's been made a special request. It's a song that's very popular in my own country, and I'm sure it is with many of you down here. My country is of the sweet land of liberty. Of thee I sing Land where my fathers died Land of the pilgrim's pride From every mountainside Let freedom Well, you don't look very happy, Harmon. You surprised? Yes, yes, sir. Come along, Stengel. Yes? You'd better wait here, Johnny. Yes, sure. Anything you say. Oh, Miss Dean. Uh, Miss Dean. Yes? Uh, may I have a word with you? I suppose so. Perhaps we'd better step out into the hall. All right. Well? That was very naughty of you, Miss Dean. Was it? Yes. That wasn't the song I asked you to sing tonight. That's right. 
And by the way, don't waste any time looking for that submarine of yours out there. Submarine? Unless you look awful deep. Because when I found out what you boys were doing, I arranged a little tip-off of my own. And what you heard me sing tonight was it. I see. All right, Stengel. You'd better get it over with. No, no, no! Johnny! Come on, come on, let's get out of here. Well, what about... They won't make anybody any more proposition. Well, where are we going? The American embassy. Well, are you with the government? It had to be an undercover job. The authorities down here couldn't very well get mixed up. After all, it's a neutral country. Well, but how did you know I, I cut the wires. It wouldn't have gone out over the air, even if you had. What was your angle? I knew Jackie. She told me she was in trouble with him. She never had tell time to tell me what it was about. I came down to talk to her about it that night. She was... Well, and this morning, Ronaldo's wife told me that he'd found out about the submarine out there. That's why they had to kill him. You were taking an awful chance playing a lone hand like that. Why did you do it? Oh, just to get in my licks at the master race. <laughs> Johnny? Yeah? How was I? You? You were wonderful. And so closes You Were Wonderful, starring Lena Horne. Tonight's study in... Suspense. Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. Have you discovered, as so many thousands of Americans have, how much Roma wines add to the enjoyment of your meals? How their superb taste makes special occasion feasts out of everyday meals? Find out for yourself what a marvel worker Roma wine can be in giving any meal a new compliment-rousing zest. Start off the meal with an appetizer. Roma California Sherry. Then place on the table a cool bottle of Roma California Burgundy. You'll be amazed at the tremendous difference Roma wine makes in the enjoyment of your foods. Don't overlook this easy way to add extra enjoyment to everyday living at a cost of only pennies a glass. Take a tip from the millions who enjoy Roma wines at meals when entertaining. Ask for R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Remember, more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wine. Next Thursday, same time, Mr. Robert Cummings will be your star of Suspense. Presented from coast to coast and by shortwave through the Armed Forces Radio Service to our troops overseas by Roma Wines. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Well, a pretty stirring episode. Uh, and like I said, said, the music, very, very well done. And uh, I, I think the plot what, turned uh, pretty well. You, you didn't really know who was doing what, who was actually loyal throughout the whole uh, episode. And I, I thought particularly the last time Wally Mayer said... Uh, you were wonderful. That was, it was just very uh, well done conclusion. The only thing I kind of wondered about was if he cut the wire and she was trying to send a tip off to the Americans, uh, weren't they kind of undermining each other? I, I may have missed something though. Well, that'll do it for this special. I hope you've enjoyed it. And we may do another World War II special uh, someday. Join us back on Monday. We'll get back into the groove of our regular programs then with Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator. And we'll be back here on Saturday in another 10 weeks to bring you our 500th episode special. 
So we'll look forward to seeing you then. If you have a comment, send it to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Give us a call, 208-991-4783. And uh, remember, if you've not already, rate the show on iTunes. But uh, from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.